You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. All right, what's up, everybody? Week 15 is almost over. Man, what a week, dude. This is like, for all the weeks that, like, you know, when playoff, fantasy playoffs hit, the craziest shit happens. Yeah. And it happens every year, <laughs> right? Yeah. Where there's always crazy storylines, crazy finishes to the games. You know, we have a really funny fantasy story <laughs> for you in, in one of our leagues uh, coming up at the end of the podcast. We'll talk about that. Uh, but yeah, man, like, a lot of bad beats that I've seen, a lot of insane finishes for some victories. I'm sorry, Zach. You know, and we didn't really talk about this last week, but we were actually going up against each other in one of our leagues, uh, right. the, the, the the community league over on Instagram. And, yeah. uh, you know, I snuck into the playoffs there uh, because, like, I had enough points, so I was able to make it to that sixth spot. Right. You were the three spot. I was. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I am your de- I am your demise. Yeah, Does that make sense. Shout Once out again. Shout out my Cowboys offense for scoring me. I think five points total <laughs> across two players: Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz. Man, Ugh, that was just tough. I can't believe I lost that one. I mean, I don't think starting Alan Lazard or Gabe Davis over either of them would have made more sense. So it's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Dalvin Cook and Ramondre Stevenson really just handed me that L this week. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and Ramondre really, you know, came through. We'll talk more about that Patriots game a little bit later, but he definitely came through for me. You know, Jonathan Taylor getting hurt did not help in a couple leagues on right. Saturday. Um, but what we're going to do in this podcast, guys, we're going to review everything that happened in yesterday's games. We're going to assume that a lot of you guys made it to week 16 or at least, you know, need something tonight for you to be able to make it, you know, to week 16 to the semifinals of your of your championship run. Um, so we're going to go over, you know, like we normally do on Mondays, go over everything that happened, uh, throughout, throughout the games on Saturday and Sunday, and hopefully we'll hit you with a little bit of insight to make your best decision, starts a decision, pickups, all that moving forward. Um, tomorrow's our, our official wave of wire podcast for the week, but, uh, today we're just going to kind of preview all that. Okay. So let's hit the Saturday games first. Um, yeah, first of all, great games, Yeah, right? The Vikings ridiculous comeback. The classic in Buffalo, right? That division game with the snow only coming down when it mattered later, right? In that game. Um, But Jonathan Taylor has suffered what seems to be a high ankle sprain. You know, not a great start for a lot of people. Like, I traded for JT in a couple of leagues, so that one hurt me a bit. Um, I still have a shot tonight if Christian Watson has a decent game. But there isn't any expectation to see Jonathan Taylor again this season. You know, I, I hate to say that. It's right. a shame because he had such a sweet, sweet 
playoff schedule, you know, coming up. Yeah, it really was looking good. And not just the playoff schedule that, you know, he has, but also the way he's been producing the past few weeks has just been, you know, really promising. He was finally finding his footing in the offense. Um, I can't believe the way that game ended. Um, I I thought for sure this was over at halftime, but the Colts just stopped playing at halftime. Um, If Jonathan Taylor played, I think there might have been a different outcome. But for Jonathan Taylor, yeah, it's just bad luck. (laughs) You know, it looks like the backfield's going to be Deion Jackson and Zach Moss. Um, And I know that you're a bigger fan of Zach Moss going forward with between these two? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, he he ended up leading the backfield when it was all said and done. And, you know, especially in the second half, he kind of took over. The Colts just ran the ball in the second half. And I think that's what ended up losing the game for them. You know, they just didn't – they just ran the ball, you know, third down, they'll pass it, punt it. You know, and it, it wasn't yeah. – you know, that's not how you win a game. You know, I get it. You want to, you you know, milk the clock. But this is an explosive Vikings offense, obviously. You know, that like mm-hmm. as what we saw, you know, you can't doubt these guys. And, you know, it's not like, the, you know, the Colts were like, this never happened before. No one has ever come back from this type of deficit. Well, it, it only takes one, right? It, it, it's going to happen. And it, that's, what, that's what happened in this game. Uh, yeah. But the rest of the way with JT out, you know, I'd probably pick up Zach Moss over Deion Jackson, you know, given that he was their guy, you know, for the most part. Uh, he also ran 14 routes to Jackson's nine routes. Uh, Zach Moss did play on third downs uh, with Jackson and they split goal line duties. Uh, this could be a 50 50 split, you know, moving forward. But, you know, if it's favored in one way, I would guess Zach Moss. Um, and with the Chargers on deck, like it's worth grabbing both of these guys at this point. Right. Yeah. That's what makes sense. I mean, if you had Jonathan Taylor, you got to cut your losses at this point, especially if you still manage to advance to the next round or you're trying to fight your way out of the toilet bowl. You know, you need to get yourself uh, some guys to, fill in that spot. And it looks like Zach Moss, like you said, looks like he's going to be a pretty good option for you. But Deion Jackson, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him just kind of, you know, get a couple passes thrown his way and then he might end up outproducing Zach Moss because even though Zach Moss looked good this game, I mean, the rest of the season, even when he was on the Bills, you know, he just wasn't very efficient at all. So I I temper expectations with Zach Moss, but I'd still expect him to be, you know, at least a solid fantasy contributor the rest of the way, assuming Jonathan Taylor's out the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. Um, You know, it's... It, it, I'm surprised that they used Zach Moss this much in this game, but you know he he was the guy they chose to be their closeout back, who didn't end up quite closing closing it, it out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, J.K. Dobbins he had another 100 yard game. Uh, didn't score, but the dude has you know has two 120 yard rushing games over the past two weeks. I guess we you know we can't overlook that. Uh, just keep in mind that he didn't pass that 15 carry threshold yet. You know. 15 carries last week, 13 carries on Saturday. You know, still a back-end RB2 at best right now. Uh, good matchup, though, next week against Atlanta. And if Lamar is back, he would get an upgrade. Just don't expect him to get 20 carries. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I think for the rest of the season. That's going to be his problem the rest of the way. You know, obviously, Gus Edwards is in that backfield. He only had seven carries, but they're still not giving him a full workload. And I'd say it's justified. I mean, we saw the heavy leg syndrome come through again. You know, on that one run, he was looked like he was going to break it away or have a chance to break it away, and he just couldn't separate. He's still not 100%, and that's just going to kind of hold him back the rest of the way, but he has looked good. You know, he's probably really the only thing that's working right now on this offense. I mean, they only put up three points. You could hardly say anything's working, but he had a 100-yard day. So you could probably start him pretty confidently as, you know, a low-end RB2, high-end RB3. Maybe with a little bit of upside if he could get in the end zone. We saw that last week. But um, it seems like his volume is going to be enough that he can contribute 
on a week to week basis. Would you be okay like plugging J.K. Dobbins in in place of Jonathan Taylor next week if you have him? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. I mean, if I had J.K. Dobbins on the bench and then JT got hurt, like I would consider that a blessing. Like, okay, I can I have somebody who I can start. You know, especially if Lamar is back in a decent matchup, who could easily find his way in the end zone. Fifteen carries, I'll take it. I'll take it all yeah. day. Can we talk about Mark Andrews for a second, though? Yeah, like we we've been <laughs> ranking him as a top two tight end since you know all 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 year long, pretty much. Um, and since week six, he has not been a top two tight end. Since yeah. then, he has he hasn't finished in the top five one time, and he's had four performances outside the top twenty-two. Right. And of course, he's going to have a great matchup against Atlanta at home next week. Um, you know, but guess we have to live and die with Mark Andrews if you have him, you know, going forward. It's like, you know, if he had a tough matchup this upcoming week, like I would consider benching him, yeah. you know, for a few other tight ends because he's simply not getting it done. Like if you streamed tight ends, it's possible that you have had a, a bigger output, you know, over the past several weeks you know, over Mark Andrews. Yeah. I mean, you've been, you have been living and dying. You've been dying by Mark Andrews these past few weeks. You were living at the beginning of the season by him. You're dying by him now these past few weeks. And I think we might have to move him out of the two spot. It's been automatic. We've been putting him there because we know what he can be. And we've seen him do it with both Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley. We thought maybe Tyler Huntley coming in would maybe increase his workload a little bit. You know, maybe we'd see him perform a little bit better because he was going through a bit of a dry spell following like that week week six performance where he finished as a tight end too. After that, Lamar Jackson, you know, he's tended to get away from him. But now Tyler Huntley's in, you know, he hasn't looked the same. Um, I think there are other tight ends at this point that you could get away with starting. Travis Kelsey stands alone as the only tight end that you can really rely on every week now at this point. I mean, Mark Andrews, we know he's talented. He's just not getting the production that he had before. And I would just, like you said, consider starting someone else over him that has a little bit more momentum at this point, Has uh, that's on a little bit more of a hot streak. You have to ride the hot hand. Um, guys like Evan Ingram pop into mind. He didn't have a humongous day, but you know I think I'd be more confident starting him. I mean, even though they have yeah. a tough matchup against the Jets, uh, it seems like Trevor yeah. Lawrence is on another level. He's getting the ball to him pretty well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He is definitely on another level. He's getting it done for sure. Um, but, you know, this, this Miami-Buffalo game, you know, it was a it was a really good game, man. Like it was back yeah. and forth. Um, you know, it wasn't snowing, you know, until late in that game. So there was plenty of opportunity for Tua and, and company to do their thing. Waddle ended up catching only three balls, had a very long touchdown on seven targets. Uh Tyreek had 13 targets. He got it done. But Josh Allen, man, it's like he's born for these games. 300 yeah. yards and four touchdowns. Um, he he got it done in a big way. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, that's what we've come to expect from him. And all of the guys that we thought would produce, you know, produced, or they outproduced what we expected. Like Jalen Waddle, I know we had him ranked pretty low this week. Um, I think that was warranted. Like we said, the lake effect snow really clouded our judgment a little bit on that one because it, it looked like it was going to be bad. Did you see the pictures that they put out at like 7.30 in the morning the day of? I thought yeah. it was going to be like a snowball. And then the game yep. came on and there was no snow. I was like... Where's the snow? And that's what everyone else was thinking too. Um, but you're right. Well, you know what? It's funny. Like he only caught three passes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not like, you know, he 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 was getting targeted a ton. You know, uh, so seven targets. You know, not, right. nothing too crazy. So he we always knew he had that ability, right? Like he could mm -hmm. take it, you know, to the house at any point. Um, but yeah, no, he ended up scoring. So if he ended up starting him, you know, which in most cases you probably did, um, yeah. you know, he's he's he did come through. That's all he needs, though. That Jalen Waddle, you know, the type of 
threat that he is. He only needs seven targets. He can take one to the house, even two to the house on seven targets. But like I said, once the snow started coming down, my prediction kind of came through. We saw the offense. It just the Dolphins started to flop around in the snow. <laughs> they couldn't get anything done after that. So it was interesting. I, I was glad, actually, that it didn't start snowing till late because then it actually made a competitive game. I think if it snowed all game, it would have just been a blowout. Yeah. It was kind of cool, though, with the snow coming down when it mattered. Yeah. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was it was a great ending uh, to that game. Uh, who, who was it that caught the ball? It was McKenzie, right? Who caught the ball at the 10 yard line, like at the end of that game. Yeah, I think it was. And, I think it was. You know, at, and at that point, like that's when the snow was really coming down. So it, yeah. it was, it was, it was fun to watch. Uh, and the Bills backfield, you know, it's kind of bad to what it was before, you know, with Singletary leading it, you know, James Cook was behind him. Naheem Hines, Naheem Hines had that one touch. It was that, you know, touchdown in the, in the red zone. Um, but it, it looks like that James Cook game that we had a few weeks ago, that was just a blip on the radar. Yeah, and that's what it's looking like. And did we really trust the Bills' backfield? You know, at this point, we told you to pick up James Cook on the waiver wire just in case. You know, it wasn't a blip on the radar. Um, right. But I wasn't expecting anybody to have an incredibly high ceiling in this backfield anyway. And it looks like the workload is now readjusted back to the levels that it was at before, where it's just kind of kind of be a barren wasteland. You know, in the Bills' backfield, unless somebody gets the majority of the carries, I don't see that happening moving forward. The Bills tried to justify their trade for Naeem Hines. By giving him one touch and a touchdown, uh, that's about my takeaway from the backfield here at this point. Nothing new. I wouldn't be starting any of these guys, really, except for maybe Devin Singletary. And that would be a desperate play for me at running back. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, Stephon Diggs didn't have a big game, but nothing to worry about there. Just just, just move forward and keep starting him, obviously. Um, yeah. The Lions backfield, you know, that was a three-way split also, right, in terms yeah, of snaps. Uh, you know, Justin Jackson still had seven opportunities. DeAndre Swift had 16 opportunities. That led the backfield, so that's good. That's what you want to see. He also led in snaps, but barely. Um, so he kind of remains that upside flex play moving forward. Um, now, in, in terms of what how it affects Jamal Williams, like it's worth noting that in the two games recently where Swift, you know, got more work than anticipated, which was weeks 13 and this past week, week 15, um, Jamal Williams had a very low touch number. And very low snap count. So with Swift healthy and, you know, when he's getting touches and when he's when they the coaches have decided that they want to involve him and be their main running back, um, it does hurt Jamal a little bit. And you have to downgrade him a little bit, you know, especially if they're going to give Justin Jackson carries near the goal line like they did <laughs> yesterday. Like it didn't work. Yeah. But like he still for some reason in a very important, you know, snap, you know, early in that game. Um, they gave it to him for whatever reasons. I'm sure Jamal would have scored. Actually, Jamal could have scored, right? Uh, yeah. But it ended up being a penalty, and they brought it back. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, you're playing Jamal Williams for that touchdown upside. But you know, 15 carries on top of that definitely, you know, kind of helps too. But don't I wouldn't expect that. Uh, you know, if DeAndre Swift is going to get his touches, the good yeah. thing is this. Well, I don't know if it's a good thing, but you don't even know. We don't know. We don't know what, what DeAndre Swift's role is going to be like next week. Who knows? Yeah. No idea, right? <laughs> so, like, you know, it could go up back and forth. Uh, but, yeah, he's just an upside flex play to me. You know, maybe I might rank him as, like, a low-end RB2 just because of his upside next week. But, yeah, that's kind of how I'm treating him moving forward. There's, there's no certainty here, but at least you know that there's a possibility that Swift, you know, could get some work. Yeah, it's, it's just been a crapshoot in Detroit's backfield this whole season. And I wasn't expecting this at all. But DeAndre Swift, if you had him in your flex, he got it done for you. This is the type of solid performance, you know, you got it done for it. This is 
If he gives you 12 and a half points at your flex are fine. You're expecting less. He got you more. That's fine. 12 and a half points. But Jamal Williams, for me, he's on a cold streak right now. He hasn't had over 40 yards in a game rushing for the past three weeks. Um, that touchdown upside, he had one touchdown three weeks ago, and then he hasn't had a touchdown since. So I would say that at this point, if you're starting him for that touchdown upside, um, there's not much else, you know, attractive there. I'm not you wouldn't start Justin Jackson, obviously. I don't know why he's getting goal line carries when you have DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Now Jamal Williams is getting um he, he's in some hot water because of Justin Jackson. Makes no sense to me. But um with Jamal Williams, I think his upside has kind of you know, kind of bottomed out, if that makes sense. Up has bottomed yeah. out. But uh, he, he's he's a pure touchdown play at this point because 33 yards on the ground is not going to get it done on 13 carries. No, not at all. And, you know, just looking at what he has next week, Carolina, you know, is a game where, you know, Najee Harris is able to do his thing. Uh, wasn't necessarily efficient, but he was able to get some, uh, you know, some solid volume on the ground. And I think Jamal Williams has a chance of doing that next week. So, yeah. you know, I think Jamal's still like a low-end RB2. Uh, but, and obviously he, you need that touchdown for him. It is possible that they end up, you know, he ends up getting 15 or more carries next week against Carolina. It's very right. possible. Terrible game for Zonovan Knight, you know, 13 carries for 23 yards. You know, this was a tough matchup coming in, uh, you know, but he didn't get any of the targets that Mike White was giving him. You know, Zach Wilson had one total target to his running backs and it went to Michael Carter, right? And he yeah. didn't get into the end zone either. So obviously very bad game. Right. And if Zach Wilson is starting this Thursday night against the Jaguars, which seems to be the case, uh, you know, <laughs> we have the downgrade night, you know, if he's not going to get used in the past game. Obviously, this is a, a better matchup for him. You know, Zeke and, you know, Zeke and um, Tony Pollard weren't necessarily too efficient either against the Jaguars in this game. So, you know, keep that in mind. But, you know, Zonovan Knight had him at a, as a solid RB2 going into this week. And I think he might move down closer to that, you know, RB24, low-end RB2 range uh, for me, you know, going into week 16. Right. I mean, Zonovan Knight, we were calling for him to get, you know, the, his his production was going to come from that pass work that he was getting, and he didn't get that at all. And 13 carries for 23 yards, that's a really abysmal, you know, efficiency, uh, you know, on the ground. The offense wasn't moving the ball at all, really, with Zach Wilson. I wasn't surprised to see that. Um, I don't want to crap all over your Jets, but they just didn't look good against the Lions. And I think it makes sense. The Lions have been playing better. But um, I would say, yeah, if Dallas's offense doesn't get it done, they didn't get it done against uh, the Jaguars this week, maybe I would consider, you know, leaving Zonovan Knight out of that mid-RB2 territory. I think low-end RB2 might be better. Maybe right there with DeAndre Swift, like we just talked about, you know, in terms of their their rankings this week, because he didn't get any of that workload. I think he still has the upside and the talent. The Jets didn't do a whole lot of scoring this week, so he did definitely suffer from that. He didn't have any type of touchdowns. Uh, I think that until he gets that receiving work back, um, he's going to be a low-end RB2 play. Um, maybe even worse. We'll have to see how it goes. But Michael Carter, I'm not expecting Michael Carter to continue to outproduce him. We saw Zaman Knight got plenty more touches. Uh, he got that one target. But this, the takeaway here is that Zach Wilson doesn't throw it to the running backs, and that's going to hamper his upside significantly moving forward. Yeah, and you know we just talked about a few low end run two, low end running back twos, right? We talked about Swift, talking about yeah. uh, Jamal Williams and Zonovan Knight. So the order in which I'm probably yep. st- Singletary. Well, Singletary is not even an RB two to me, but like, <laughs> you know, these three guys, like I'm probably going to start Swift, Jamal Williams, and then Zonovan Knight in that order yeah. next week. Right. That's kind of how I would play it. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. A.J. Brown, man, what a game. Nine catches for 181 yards on 16 targets. Uh, Devontae Smith, five for 126 on eight targets. The Eagles attacked through the air. Not something that I expected, right? right? Like they, could, they couldn't get a whole lot going on the ground with Miles Sanders. Uh, pretty disappointing game for Miles Sanders as a whole. Um, they didn't give him a touch in the first quarter in those two drives that they had, um, which was kind of disappointing. You're like, all right, well, this is one of the worst rush, Russian defenses. You know, maybe win this game, you know, on the ground. But like, nope. That's not what they did. Um, and it's interesting because, like, literally Sirianni was one of those coaches that you can kind of predict how they were going to attack, attack a, a specific team. Like, if they're really, really bad on the ground, attack them to the ground. If they're really, really bad to the air, you attack them to the air. That's what he's been doing. So it's like coming into this game, this was a little bit of a surprise for me. Um, but, yeah, like, I guess Miles Sanders was right that this is why we shouldn't have drafted him because it, <laughs> he might have cost some people the semifinals appearance you know, with only 11 carries, 42 yards, that fumble didn't help at all. Uh, that 13-yard loss, you know, on that catch yeah. didn't help at all. Uh, but the weirdest thing, you know, was him not getting that touch in the first quarter. I think that kind of, you know, didn't just didn't build that momentum that I think he would have needed for this matchup. Uh, so that was a little bit weird to me. But yeah. real quick about the wide receivers, too. Like 65% of the targets went to either A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith. So you got to love that, you know. And and Dallas Goddard, like when that target distribution is super tight like that, like it's it's the best. Yeah. Uh, but Dallas Goddard, he's coming back next week. Uh, you know, that he'll likely mess with that just a little bit. Uh, but that that's really what you want to see, man. Like just in general, you want your studs to get those targets at that rate. And that's what we saw. Um, yeah. But Hertz didn't throw any passing touchdowns in this game, but <laughs> he ended up scoring three on the ground. Uh, yeah. So he, he got it done for you in a big way, man. Like just, just, just what are your thoughts on this Eagles offense? It was one of the weirdest fantasy performances I think of the season in terms of the offense they only scored 25 points and if you watch the game it felt really low scoring for most of the game you know it, the, the receivers were catching a bunch of passes but they weren't capitalizing we saw AJ Brown had 181 yards receiving same with Devontae Smith 126 yards receiving they attacked through the air and Jalen Hurts had three touchdowns on the ground it's like man what the heck it, none of it made sense but it was okay because you know all the guys besides Miles Sanders that you expected to produce did produce Think about if one of those rushing touchdowns was thrown to AJ Brown or Devontae Smith. You know, this it could have been bigger games for them. So their ceilings are incredibly high. This Eagles offense is just fantastic. They're going up against the Cowboys next week, which just gave up 40 to the Jaguars. I, I think this could be another big game for them next week. Jalen Hurts has been getting it done for you regardless, though. He looks super, super good um, in terms of fantasy performance and just in general. Uh, AJ Brown. He looked good. Devontae Smith, he's quietly put together some really good performances these last few weeks. He's had eight targets each of the last three weeks, at least eight targets each of the last six weeks as well. Um, five, Exactly five catches in all of those, two touchdowns, very similar production in all of them, 21-17-17. Has he entered maybe low-end wide receiver two territory with the way this Eagles offense is playing? I, I think maybe. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Where did I have him? Where did I have him ranked this week? I think I had him ranked around there, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong though. I, I have to check, and I'm checking yeah. right now. I'm checking right. Now. I'm 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 just really curious I think because he, he might have 
either there. He might have been right there. He might have been borderline. I don't think he was like 30, but I don't think he was, he was 20. Either. He was 23. He was yeah, 23. Okay. So, yeah. Do you think he's more? So he was a low end. He was a low end wide receiver too for me. Uh, right. coming into this week. Yeah, I, I think he could be. He's safely in that ter- ter- territory with the wide receiver too. I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, and you know he had that good matchup too on that right side in that slot, which is, which is what what, what you want to see, man. Take advantage of those good matchups. So that, yep. you know that's if you have him, you know keep starting him. He's going to be up and down. There's no doubt about it. But you know at the end of the day, you know you kind of you, you have to live and die like with these you know volatile receivers. It happens all the time. The volatile receivers the on a good offense, you can get away with that. You, you have to at this yeah. point. You, you got to play to win. Um, uh, you know, it's funny. A lot of people were legit wondering whether they should start Justin Fields. Like, I got a lot of pushback on starting Justin Fields this week. And, you yeah. know, I had him ranked as a top five quarterback this week. And, like, you know, the answer was yes. You know, <laughs> why, this is why you were still starting him. You know, two passing touchdowns, uh, 95 yards on the ground on 15 carries. So he's back. Uh, he had no right. Mooney. He had no Claypool. St. Brown got hurt on the first drive, uh, got a concussion. You know, it didn't matter, though. Justin Fields is back. Yeah, and he was doing it all himself pretty much. Did you see that one scramble that he had? I, I forget. He did end up stepping out of bounds, but he made it to the end zone. They ruled it a touchdown originally. They obviously called it back. But he just looks ridiculous. The His rushing ability, he hit 1,000 yards on the season in this game. He was pretty much all the offense outside Dave Montgomery. It was him and Dave Montgomery doing pretty much everything in this game. Dave Montgomery had a good game too. We could talk about that. But Justin Fields, it doesn't seem like the matchup matters. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nobody can really contain him right now just because he's so fast and athletic. You know, the way that he can attack you, he's running from inside the pocket. He's running on design runs. He's scrambling outside the pocket, going down the sideline, beating guys at the corner. Nobody can contain his rushing ability, and that is, you know, fantastic from a fantasy perspective. That's all you really need from a quarterback for him to have a good game. Um, Add the two touchdowns in the air. He was relatively efficient. And they were striking distance within this game, too. He kept it competitive. So, the Bears are going to continue to be this type of team. They're going to be scrappy. They're going to stay in games, and that's going to bode well for Justin Fields' prospects moving forward as well. So there's no reason to think that you shouldn't start him in any given week. He's going to be top five pretty much, I think, every week. Top th- He could be top three, too, depending on the matchup. This was a tough one, and he got it done. Yeah, I mean, he has Buffalo next week, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to start him again, and he has Detroit yeah. the following week after that. So you gotta, I'm going to start him again. So, yeah, he's going to remain a top five, top six quarterback the rest of the way, for sure. Yeah. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 